I want to preach to you today from Isaiah chapter 53. As I said, I really believe that God wants to bring healing into our lives, healing into our wounds, healing into our hidden places, healing into the secret part of our hearts. And, and this can all, almost become this happy Easter where we put on our, our best clothes. You know, it's like, it's the time, it's like Easter and Christmas at a time where you become a Christian, some people, other people like, you know, put on their church clothes, their church face, their church everything, you know, their church feelings. And we can just say, glory to God, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Jesus Christ is raised from the grave. But what did he die on the cross for and be raised from death to life for? He did it for you. Not just to carry on as another Sunday, but to be healed and changed and transformed. Become a man, a woman of God who is called after his name. And so I, I pray today as, I, as we speak, as we study God's word, that you will just really just have that revelation flow from the inside out. And I want to begin verses 1 through 5. And this, this is a prophecy through the prophet Isaiah, given to him by the Spirit of God, 700 years before the birth of Christ. This is an important prophecy because it came to pass. Not only that, but it was confirmed and quoted by the Apostle Peter, by the Apostle Paul, and by Jesus Christ himself. And it begins, verse 1, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He, Jesus, grew up before him, his father, like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should Desire him, but he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering. Another translation says, a man of sorrows. Familiar with pain. Could maybe describe life at times as one being familiar with pain. He was despised. Sorry, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Verse 10 says, Yet it was the Lord's will, his plan and his purpose to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days for eternity. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. He'll be resurrected from darkness to light. And by his knowledge of my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities, their sins, their sickness, their disease, their sorrows, their pain. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. From death to life. You know, many of us, as I was thinking and contemplating on this scripture and thinking in preparation for today, many of us feel like the walking dead. Like the walking dead and the fact that on the outside it may seem that everything is going well, but on the, 
The inside, we can feel dead. Dead in what? Dead in our hope. Dead in our dreams. Dead maybe in our faith. In our love for life. Enthusiasm in which we once had. We can all have those times where our confidence is dead. Our courage is dead. And I feel and believe that God wants to raise what is dead inside of you back to life. And maybe your best life is a broken one. Maybe that picture in which you think that light should be, that person in you think that you should be, that the walk that you think that you need to walk, maybe the best one for you is a broken one. Maybe the life that God has for you is one in which you need to learn to live where you walk with a limp. You walk wounded. And I feel that many of us today, if not 99.99% of us, are like the walking wounded. The walking wounded. We can be walking around in this life wounded. Wounded by who? Wounded by those who are our loved ones. Wounded by our father, by our mother. Wounded by our church. Wounded maybe by those who we trusted in and depended on and we placed our hope in and they let us down. And what happens is we can become ones who are walking wounded. The word that God gave me for you is this, is the Lord wants you to walk wounded with him. Because it's in your walking that you find healing. It's in your walking, when you're walking with God, when you're learning his love for you when, you, when you have the revelation that he gave his son for you so that you may live and that you would know it's in your walking that you are healed. And here's why I say this, because what can happen for many of us is we become stuck, stagnant. And we remain in our hurt. I've seen this so often, especially in the church. Been in the church for 30 years and being a part of it as a, someone who's grown up in it, a part of the congregation, and now a pastor leader. And I've seen so many people be hurt in the church and they stay in their hurt rather than finding healing. I've seen so many people in relationships, even those who are active relationships, where there's so much hurt in the relationship that it just, it just stays there. It's in the mix. It becomes this toxic atmosphere and this tension, but it's so much easier just to carry on in life rather than actually walking towards healing. We can all experience this wounding. We can all experience this areas in our life. And rather than staying in our heart and pain, I believe that God wants us to walk towards healing just as Jesus walked. He walked wounded to the hill of Golgotha. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. It is by his wounds that you are healed. You may feel wounded, but Jesus carried your wound so that you may be healed. If you're wounded today, I want to tell you, you're in the right place. You're among friends, right? You're among like-minded people. If you are wounded and hurt and in pain and grieving, welcome home. Welcome. Because this is the place that you want to find healing. It's the place where you want to find encouragement, not shame. 
It's a place where you want to be able to not have to put on your church clothes and your church face that you can come as you are. You're in the right place. My encouragement to you today is don't stop walking. Don't stop walking. Keep walking. Keep going. If you got to walk limp, walk limp. If, you, if you're crippled, you need learn to walk like a cripple. You know, you maybe your declaration today is even if I have to drag myself through my days, get out of my way because I'm coming through. I'm going to keep going. You cannot stop me. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep walking. I'm the walking wounded, but I'm walking. I was just thinking about this and reflecting in my own life and what this means for me. And this is a scripture that has really been speaking to me and I've been thinking about it is I am wounded. I, me personally, am wounded deeply. Not was wounded. Not used to be wounded. You know, preachers love talking about how we used to feel and how we came over all those things. And But now by God's grace, we are here standing in. No, I, I'm wounded. But my wounds are being healed. My wounds have been stitched up, but they're still raw. You hear what I'm saying? I'm on the, I'm on the road to healing. You see, I, I used to think that to be a leader is to be someone who is always strong. Maybe you feel that way in your own family. To be the mother, to be the husband, to be the one in leader in your workplace, to be the one in the community or your family that everyone else looks to, that you've got to be strong. I've learned that spiritual godly leaders are those who, who learn to live, lead, and walk with a limp. I'm walking, but I'm walking wounded, but I'm walking towards healing. I'm on the road to recovery. I'm not there yet. But you need to know, I'm going through some stuff, but I'm going through it. And God is bringing me through. But do you know that the toughest piece of skin in our body is a healed over scar? A healed scar is the toughest part on our body. You see, I, I, have, a, I have what was a wound, but now is a deep scar right across my head. I'm like scar head. Not Scarface. Scarhead. Thankfully, I got a thick head of hair. If I ever go bald, man, I'm going straight to Turkey and I'm getting a transplant. There's nothing you can do. Because that would be an ugly looking bald man. <laughs> but do you, I got this wound, right? And so it's this tough piece of skin. It's lumpy. I can feel it. It's calloused over. It's like the toughest piece of skin in my in my head. And as I was thinking about this week, can you imagine what it would be like to, to walk around and live life with that open wound? Like, just open? Not only would the hair begin to fall out, but you, like, I, I have no doubt that Alan would not be up here saying all the great things. He'd be like, I'd be called, probably be Muhammad back, Sean is like smelly Sean. Because <laughs> his, his, his wound, man, it has like, pus just leaking out of it there's like maggots in there I can I just know there's like maggots forming in that wound it's open for infection it's leaking over everybody would someone just tell him he stinks 
His wound is stinking. Can, can you imagine how difficult life would be? Walking around with an, with an, an open wound? It's silly, right? But this is how so many of us walk around. We walk with open wounds. And what happens is it leaks. It leaks into our relationship with our husband or with our wife. It leaks oftentimes into those who are closest to us. It, it leaks into our friendships. It leaks into our family. It leaks into our workplace. It leaks where we become people who are un, just unusually emotionally reactive, sensitive, defensive, offended easily sensitive in life and what it is we can things can be going well I don't know if you've ever experienced this things are going well you're having a great day things are going and something is said whoa it changes the atmosphere why because it's touching a part of me that's an open wound oh when you said that when you did that what happens is it leaks into our relationships it, it, it begins to completely destroy our life why because it's an open wound and this is what happens if I could ask, sure, look, Alan, you're like the star of the show today. Come on up here for a second. Show off your jacket and your new shoes. <laughs> oh, we love you. But it, this, is, this is what happens. And I, I just wanted to illustrate for you, and I know this is personal and for all of us, and that's why I'm joking and laughing, because we're great as Irish people who hide the pain. And... Um, what happens in our relationships when we've got open wounds is we keep others at arm's length. Others who want to get in and become friends or to become close, and I've done this so much, like where I'm friends with Alan, well, I know Alan since I'm 17, I'm friends with him the last 10 minutes. And, um, and what happens, I, I've done this so much, I put up a wall where I'll let you in, but I'll only let you in so close. Or I'll let you in to part of my life, but not all of my life. Let's try and give me a hug there. This is what we do. Because here's, here's what happens, right? Why won't you accept me for who I am? Why won't you love me? Why won't you embrace me? This is what we ask ourselves of others. Why won't they? But what we can't see is what they can see is because our arm is out. We're pushing, keeping distant. Many of us, if it was to bring this real home for a moment, as we walk into environments like this church, I'm not saying it's a perfect church, we've got a lot of problems. Why? Because we've got people. And, 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 and we, go, <laughs> we, we walk into places and communities and we're like, see it why does this why don't they accept me why don't they love me thanks so much I love you I love you I love you um, and here's what happens is we we love Jesus we accept Jesus but we don't allow him to accept us we let him into our life be Lord of my life but not to that part. That's my part. What happens is that those open, deep, sensitive, leaky wounds that are infecting everyone, when Jesus says, by his wounds, you are healed, what he wants to do is he wants to bring healing to those 
parts of your life. He wants to bring healing to those open wounds. He wants to heal up your wounds so that your healed scar is now like tough skin. Is now a scar that you can show off to others. It's a scar that you don't need to be ashamed of. It's a part of your life that you can open up to others, be vulnerable, be open to encourage them in what they're going through because that's what community is. It's unity. Unity over what? Unity over the fact that we've all been wounded, but by his wounds we are healed. So therefore, am I scarred? You bet it, you. I'm so scarred, but my scars are healed. My scars are healed. For some of us, we might be in the process of healing. In open wounds, so we may not open it up to the whole community, but we may open it to one or two, to love each other, to be with each other. What I believe God wants to do in you today as you are the walking wounded, he wants you to be walking towards healing because it's in your walking that you will find healing. This scripture, Isaiah 53, is broken up into three parts. First one to five, as we look at the word and we get deep into it and study it to see what it means for us, we see the first one to five is about the suffering of the servant. It's about the suffering servant who gave his life for us. The second part in which we have focused on is the satisfaction of the Savior. The joy of the Savior. But the part that we have skipped over is about the silence of the sufferer. How the lamb who was brought to the slaughter kept silent. It says that he closed his mouth. When he was beaten, he closed his mouth. When he was despised, he closed his mouth. When he was heaped insults on, he closed his mouth. And it's a model for all of us who are suffering, which is another sermon to preach, but it's for another day. Our focus today is on the suffering of the servant and the satisfaction of our Savior. See, when suffering comes our way, we try and explain it away. What happens is we, we tend to fall into two categories. We explain it as a punishment for our sin, that this is, you know, in, in general terms, people call it karma. This happened because I did that. And we have the punishment for our sin or just a coincidence of chance. It just, it just was. And verse 4, interestingly enough, says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. We thought he was being punished for his sins, but we never thought and think of our suffering for the sins of others that would bring through his suffering would save others, yet that's what Jesus did for us. He found his reward in the redemption of others. Suffering always precedes satisfaction. Joy comes in the morning after a dark night of the soul. David said in Psalm 35, he said, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. We all want the joy in the morning, but we got to get through the weeping of the night. Suffering is the route to satisfaction. Suffering is a part of life. Amen. Suffering is the root to satisfaction. When you know that you had to suffer to get where you are, to become who you are, you know what it does? It gives you satisfaction. Why? I had to suffer to get where I am. I had to suffer to get here. 
You know, as we celebrate five years as a church, this is our only really our third Easter in this place because for two years almost we were home. But, you know, as we stand here and we get the, the, the joy of being able to celebrate this building that's coming, I know there was a lot of suffering to get here. You know what that gives me? Satisfaction. I don't look back at the suffering and say, curse it out and say, you know, that's nearly ruined my life and I had to go through that and I missed out on so much and I'm so disappointed and I'm so full of shame, so full of jealousy and envy on others and what they got to experience. No, it's the joy set before me that I got to endure that so I could get to here. Suffering precedes satisfaction and suffering is a root that leads to satisfaction. I've suffered these last 12 months greatly, but I'm so grateful that I am where I am. I am who God created me to be. And I want to encourage you, you can be focused on what you suffered in, or you can be focused on what you suffered in and how it's led you to where you are. Am I fully healed and everything's great? And No, but I'm still walking. I'm walking towards healing. Romans 5, 3, 5 says, not only so, we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. You know, in Luke chapter 4, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, right before he had suffered on the cross, we read about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And what happens is the devil comes and he comes and he tries to tempt Jesus to, to really step outside of his destiny and his purpose. And his suggestion to Jesus can be put this way. Avoid the cross, accept the crown. I can give you the crown and you can leave the cross behind. This is the way of the world. It's the world way. This is man's method. To, to, to avoid the pain, avoid the suffering. Oh, take a pill, you got to avoid it. Take, take, take whatever it is to numb it. Any substance I can, any relationship I can. Why? Because we're trying to avoid the cross, avoid the suffering. The way of Christ is this, that he modeled for us on the cross. Life follows after death. Light follows after darkness. The crown follows after the cross. Satisfaction follows after suffering. Hebrews 12, 2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I read this week that he took our hell so we could have his heaven. He took our hell so we could have his heaven. To go through the scripture, verse 1 says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord be revealed? What is the prophet here saying that's repeated time and time in scripture by Jesus, by Peter, by Paul? He's saying, Who has heard our words and seen his ways? You see, the revelation of the gospel is heard through the preaching of the word, but it's seen through the ways of the spirit and grace of God. Verse 2 says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. His life was gentle, gentleness. He was harmless as a lamb. He, he chose the most feeble and vulnerable form as a baby. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him and nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. 
Here, Scripture is not talking necessarily about his, his attractional features, but what he is talking about, how his beginning and his background, being born to a teenage virgin woman outside of wedlock in a peasant place, was very far from the royalty and the majesty that was expected to come from the lineage of David. See, the world, what we like to do is we look at the top and say, that's who we need to be. There was nothing of majesty or royalty that we expected from the coming Messiah. There was nothing that would attract us and make us want him. So, verse 3, he was despised and rejected by mankind, just as he is today. A man of suffering, a man of sorrows, and familiar with pain, familiar with grief, pain, sickness, despair, disease. He lived the life we live, which was one where you become very familiar with pain. Continues, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. He was considered a nobody, not worthy of respect. He was like someone who you would walk along in the street with and hide your face from, avoid from being around, avoid from knowing. Why? Because there's shame there. Just like many of us, if we were to be honest, can sometimes feel that sense of shame to call ourselves a Christian or to follow Jesus and let others know or to follow after the biblical truths and the kingdom values. Why? Because there's a certain level of shame that is applied on the Christian in the world that we live today. People had a low view of Jesus. Verse 4, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. This is important to really, as you look into the original Hebrew in which this was written in, we see that the word pain is translated as, as the bodily suffering, the grief, the pain, the sickness, that Jesus came to heal your body. You can receive healing in Jesus' name. And he he. Bore our suffering means that he took up our mental and emotional pain, our sorrow. It is the suffering of the soul. He came to heal your body and heal your mind, your emotions, to heal your soul. Continues, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. We thought he was being punished and struck down for his own sins. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions, our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. It's in his wounding that we found our healing. We see Verse 1 to 5 is the suffering of God's servant because we get to experience and join in the satisfaction of our Savior. Jesus in this place and what there's this transition from verse 1 to 5 right through the silent sufferer, verse 6 to 9, but then verse 10 and 12 we see that he goes from suffering humiliation to experiencing exaltation. You see, Jesus' suffering and his life culminated in the crucifixion, but only so that it could make way for the resurrection. And what happened is he was despised and he was rejected and he was looked down upon that others saw him as less than human so that God could raise him up, that he would become more than human. He was the man God, the man Christ Jesus. We see that what happened is the Lord always lifts up the weary. 
He always lifts up the feeble, the weak, the humiliated, the humbled. He will always give strength to the weak. He will always give wholeness to the broken. He will always heal the wounds of those who are wounded. In verse 10, it begins, it says, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, to cause him to suffer. The Lord here is Yahweh, is the Father God. It was the Father's will to crush his son, to cause him to suffer. Surely, only a cruel father would do such a thing to its son. But what we, what we can't see happen here in this moment is that Jesus knew why. Why? Because it was the will of God. He knew that many will be justified and forgiven through his sacrifice. You see, the devil may have thought that the death of Christ was the defeat of Christ, but he was wrong. Christ died and won an eternal victory. What we may look at and see as the end, God says, is just the beginning. When we may look upon our own lives, our own death, our own decay, and our own dreams that have been dashed and desires that are no longer seen, and we look upon ourselves and we say, this is the end, this is death, but God sees new life. He sees an opportunity to redeem, to restore, to breathe back life into and to see newness, a freshness, the life that he truly had for you. But sometimes some things got to die first. Sometimes you got to die first. Sometimes you need to be wounded and then healed so that the scars that are to bear are ones that show the glory of God in your life. It says that, continues on verse 10, though the Lord, Jesus, makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. It was prophesying, not just his death, but his resurrection. This prophecy that was taught in, you know, amongst the, the Jewish people again and again and again. It's funny, even though we get the message, we don't always know the meaning. Even though we hear the word, we don't always accept the word. It says in the Amplified Transition, he will rise from the dead in time to come. And the will of the Lord, Yahweh, God our Father, will prosper in his hand. Verse 10 in the message says, the plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it, life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. This was the secret of his suffering. Others may look upon the suffering of Jesus with weeping, with mourning, with crying as they're seeing him crushed. But Jesus knew why, because he knew the will of the Father. You may not understand the crushing and the suffering, but will you trust the will of the Lord your God, that his will will prosper in your hand, that his will will come to pass. He will turn all things together for his good. It's not just a nice little line to throw out, he will. He will. Verse 11, after he suffered, he will see the light of life, resurrected from death to life, darkness to light, and be satisfied. He will see the fruit of his suffering and be satisfied, one translation says. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. He took our sin so that he may take away our sin. Because of this, through believing in Jesus and placing our faith in him, we receive justification. 
justified of our sin, forgiven of our sin. Verse 12 says, Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will be seated at the right hand of his Father, right there in heaven for eternity, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. What does this mean? It means the inheritance of Christ is shared with the Christian. This means that when we place our faith in Jesus and we experience death, a new life is on the horizon. Because he poured out his life unto death, the message translation says he looked death in the face and didn't flinch and was numbered with the transgressors. He had no sin but was considered as sin for us. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Living Bible says he was counted as a sinner and he bore the sins of many and he pled with God for sinners. This prayer, this intercession is pleading with God for sinners that began on the cross. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. This prayer that began on the cross continues in heaven today. You see, Jesus promised two things when he would leave earth and be in heaven. He promised two things for the Christian. The first is this, that he would prepare a place for you in paradise. He says, I'm going to go, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. John 14, 2 says, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you will also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. He prepared a place for you. Secondly, he is praying for you. He's interceding on your behalf. He's pleading with God for you right now. Romans 8, 34 says, Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus is praying for you right now. Hebrews 7, 25 says, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Right now, Jesus Christ, crucified on the cross, died, raised to life, resurrected from the grave, seated in heaven beside the right hand of his father says, I'm praying for you. You know when you say that to someone? I'll pray about that. Someone tells you a problem? I'm praying for you. And we know we're not going to pray, right? Come on, let's be honest. Not all the time, but sometimes. We say it. Why? Because it's a nice thing to say. We're polite. Jesus doesn't just say empty promises when he says, I'm praying for you. He's praying for you. He's, I love the word intercession. It, it, it implies much more than just prayer. It's interceding on your behalf. It's like, like standing in the gap between you and God and saying, this man... This woman, I know them. And I know what's in their heart. I know what has happened to them in their life. And I'm saying to you, Father God, heal them. Restore them. Provide for them. I can hear their cries through the Holy Spirit. I can hear their heart and how it breaks. I can see the open wounds and that they've opened up to me rather than walking around and hiding it from me. They've opened it up to me. So now God, Father God, Yahweh, 
Bring your healing. Bring your provision. Are you wounded? Are you walking through this life wounded? And if so, where is your wound? What part of your life specifically is it right now? If you're to name it, label it. What, where, where is your wound? What part of your life is it? Often, most times, our wounds in our adulthood life it goes right back to our childhood. What period in your life has been wounded? You try to block out. Why? Because it's, it's easier to block it out. What part of your relationship and your marriage? The easiest thing to do oftentimes is just to continue on and not bring it up. What part of your marriage you need to bring up because we need to see healing where there is wounding? What about you for yourself, for your insecurities that you carry around with? It can be so easy. Man, I have met so many critical people who the criticisms that they give is really of themselves. Because they're insecure. What, what about the hurt that you've carried and, and being carrying that, that God says, I don't want you to carry it. I've taken your sins to the cross, carried with me in my own body so that by my wounds you may be healed. So let it go. <laughs> let it go. You know, in life, in modern life, this is a revelation I've had recently. The most wearied people you've ever met in the history of mankind is the modern man and the modern woman. You know why? Because we hold on to everything. We hold it on. Why? Because we thought, think with somehow with evolution and that we've adopted and thought that that's the answer or modern technology has made us smarter. No, we're just the same old people as we were when time began. You can't carry everything, all things, at all times. Only Jesus can carry it for you. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me for a moment? Here's the most difficult question I'll ask you today. Will you allow your suffering to be brought to satisfaction and joy? To allow your Savior to redeem your suffering? Could you imagine... A life where you walk with a limp. I'm broken, but I'm not bitter. Walking wounded towards a place of healing. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed for a moment, without any distraction around, just between you and Yahweh, the Father, through His Son, If you are wounded, you're hurting, you're in pain, would you just put out your hands right before you, your palms open? 
symbolizing open heart, open mind. I'm not going to hide these wounds. And I, I don't want you for a moment to think that, you know, prayer is going to heal up a, a lifetime of hurt and wounds. No, no, it won't. But it can begin the healing process. And it may require counseling and hard work and determination and speaking it out and sharing it with others. But all I'm asking you to do today is that you open your wounds, your father wound, your childhood wound, the forgiveness that God wants you to release. Are you willing to walk wounded? Lord, I pray for every single person who's sitting right now. Would you pour out through your Holy Spirit healing, restoration? Would you, would you bring us on the path where we may be able to look, look back on our suffering and smile? Not smile because it was a happy moment. Smile as like, I'm, I'm not there anymore. That's not me anymore. We ask this in your